Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. At the end of the service today, I want to pray for some, uh, I'm pray, Joshie, I want to pray for you. Joshie, where's Joshie? Joshie's going down to, uh, she got uh, accepted into an internship at Elevation Church with Stephen Furtick. And that's a wonderful thing. Uh, and if there's any other kids going back to school, I think we need to end the service day praying for them. So please, if you can, don't take off, all right? And let me, let me, let me debunk something right now, okay? How many of you think I preached short last week? Shorter than normal. No, I did not. My message was 42 minutes last week. 42 minutes it was. My messages are almost always, Troy, 42 to 48 minutes, somewhere in that range. Last week's was 42 minutes. I just happened to get the pulpit at 1040 because Troy didn't hog up all the time. I kept, I kept hearing about, oh, because how many know, every time we get out relatively early, it's the pastor was short today. No, he wasn't. I don't have any intentions of being short today. So I just want to put that out there, just debunk that whole thing. Well, today is December 30th, 2018, right? In a couple of days, it'll be 2019. How many think this year went fast? My goodness, they, they say the older you get, the faster it goes, and I'm, I know it really doesn't, but it sure does seem like it, doesn't it? And um, so we'll begin a new year. Many things in the new year will be like the old year, yet there's always a sense of anticipation, expectation, and hope for the new year. How many have any hopes for the new year? All right. Uh, how many know resolutions will be made? Some will be kept. Some won't be kept. Some will, you will face new things this year. Some of you will get married. And all the ones who want to get married said amen. All right. Some of you will um, maybe have children. Some, hope Penny doesn't, some may experience that. <laughs> Listen, if you want one, I'm willing to try. Paul, you think you embarrassed her. <laughs> All right. Some may experience the death of friends or loved ones. Some of you will get new jobs. Who knows? Um, and so as a pastor, I'm thinking, well, why would I pray for our church this coming year? Um, sure, I want us to be blessed. I want all these things I can think about. And then I was reading Scripture and studying Scripture and thinking about the sermon. And here's my prayer for you this year. The prayer for this church for this year. And it's this. I pray that we have a year of Ichabod. <laughs> I love the church. This is like, everybody just went, what is wrong with you, you freak? You'll get it in a minute or 42 minutes. A year of Ichabod. Turn with me. Get your Bibles out. Get your phone out. Get your iPad out. Get your Bible out. All right? And I want you to take a look at it. I want you to go to 1 Samuel chapter 4. I'll give you this verse, and then I'm going to set some things up for us and tell you why I said this. 1 Samuel 4 verse 21 says, And she, the mother, called the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel, because the ark of God was taken and because of her father-in-law and her husband. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you know anybody named Ichabod? Anybody? I'm just curious. Nobody here? I don't know of anybody. The only Ichabod I ever knew was Ichabod Crane. And I really didn't know him. And the headless horseman. I mean, know all about that, right? You know, Ichabod is ranked the 54th, 54,629 most popular given name in the United States. How I many know if your name is 59,674? It's not very popular. With an estimated population of 60. I'd like to have a reunion of 60 Ichabods. <laughs> the Ichabod reunion. The name is in the 79th percentile. It means that nearly 20% of all the first names are more popular. There are 0.02 people named Ichabod for every 100,000 Americans. Nobody names their kid Ichabod. Nobody names their kid Judas. Not a whole lot of people name their kids Delilah. Think about that. So let me set this up. 
The scripture tells us in the first first book of Samuel that there was a priest and a judge of the house of Israel by the name of Eli. All right, it also tells us the story of a woman named Hannah who was barren, but had a son given to her by God, whom she said, I will give back to your service. And she has a young boy named Samuel, who she takes to the house of Eli, to the house of the Lord, to be raised under the supervision of Eli, the priest and the leader and the judge of Israel. Eli also had two sons. The Bible describes his two sons as this. He said they were worthless men. How many like the Bible to be safe about you that you're a worthless man? The Bible says that they were men who did not know the Lord, but yet they were priests of the Lord. Isn't it funny you can be a priest of the Lord but not know the Lord? They were men who did not know the customs of how the priest would serve the people. This is what the Bible said about them. The Bible says they were men who loved or who lived according to the appetite of their flesh. All right? The Bible says that they were men who laid with the women who served the temple, the tent, at the tent of meeting. They were men who took what they wanted by force. They were men who would not listen to the voice of their father when he tried to instruct them. That's who they were. But let me tell you about Eli. The Bible says Eli was also a man of the flesh. God charged him with making himself fat off the offerings of the people that were meant for God. He was a man who the Bible says honored his sons before honoring God. How many know there is a priority schedule of our lives? And how many know God is first? Let me tell you about the state of the nation. The state of the nation, there's two things I want to mention there. says that the word of the Lord was rare, and visions or revelations, manifestations of God, were rare. Okay? So let me get this. You have a people who are governed by carnal, fleshly men, men who did not know the Lord, Men who didn't know how to serve the people, men who took things by force, men who would not listen to counsel, men who honored flesh over God, and these are the leaders of Israel. And God has come to a place where he has had enough, that he was going to bring a time where he was going to stop what was going on in the house of Israel. He brought a prophetic word to Eli, okay, That prophetic word to Eli is summed up like this. That one, the Bible says that God changed his mind about the house of Eli. At one time, he told the house of Eli that he would have an everlasting priesthood. You think God don't change his mind? The Bible says, but God now said he was going to bring an end to that house. The strength of Eli's house would be broken, is the prophetic word. And as a sign of this, the Bible says that the prophet said, and your two sons are going to die on the same day. How many know that's a bad day? All right. But the scripture goes on and then says, but God said he was raising up a faithful priest to do what is in my heart and soul. Let me tell you what faithful people are. Faithful people are God, are those who do what's in the heart and soul of God. Moses was a faithful priest. Jesus was a faithful high priest. You are faithful. I am faithful as a priesthood of the believer. I am faithful when I'm doing what is in the heart and mind of God. The Bible says that God was raising up a priest who would walk before the anointed. That he would be honored and he would be given authority. Now, who was this priest in this context, in this story right here? It would be Samuel. That Samuel will be raised up to be this priest. Now, let me take you, just hang with me for a few moments, okay? And you'll see where we're on. So now, that day comes that God prophetically told the house of Eli, I'm going to now judge you for what has been going on, and I'm going to take my nation to where I want them to be, not where they've been. And that day came when the Philistines went to war against Israel, The two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, along with the ark of God, went into battle against the Philistines, and they got defeated. And when they got defeated, the Bible says that Hophni and Phinehas were both killed. 1 Samuel 4, verse 11. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Okay? How many know the prophecy of God's coming true? Now... There's a 
messenger that goes back to tell Eli the bad news. And when he goes back to tell him the bad news, here's what the scripture says. When he mentioned the ark, verse 18, when he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell off his seat backwards beside the gate and his neck was broken and he died for he was old and heavy. He was old and fat. Hmm, sounds like your pastor. Thus, <laughs> I'll be careful not to fall backwards. Thus he judged Israel 40 years. What an ending. 40 years of leadership and your, de- your, your reign, your leadership ends with your two sons being killed, you dying, and the ark being taken into captivity. How many of you think that's a bad day? I think that's a really bad day. All right? Now, watch this. So now, news comes. Let me read it to you. Now his daughter-in-law, Phineas' wife. Phineas' wife was pregnant and was about to give birth. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was taken and that her father-in-law and her husband had died, she kneeled down and gave birth. For her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women who stood by her said to her, Do not be afraid, for you have given birth to a son. But she did not answer or pay attention. And she called the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel. Because the ark of God was taken, and because of her father-in-law and her husband, she said, The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God was taken. She named her son Ichabod because of the events of the day. Her husband died, her brother-in-law died, her father-in-law died, and the ark was taken. She named him Ichabod because of the tragic events, and they were tragic. She named him Ichabod, thinking that the glory of God had departed. But let me say this to you this morning. I would suggest to you, and I'm going to show you in a moment, that the glory of God was not departing from Israel, it was returning to Israel. And we of the church have misused Ichabod for centuries. I believe that Ichabod in the scriptures is one of the most misnamed people of all the scripture. It was a woman in pain and grieving, married to an ungodly, fleshly-driven man, part of an ungodly, fleshly-driven agenda, that saw this boy being born and she named him Ichabod because she thought the glory had left Israel when the fact of the matter is the glory was coming back to Israel. And if you don't see that in Scripture, you really need to pick it up and you really need to study it. She missed the moment, the pain of the moment, the loss of the moment. The tragedy of the moment caused her to forever label her son as a memorial for the moment. You're Ichabod. Think about this, man. Think about this. For the rest of his life, I'm Ichabod. When they saw you and heard your name, they thought of the two sons dying, Eli dying, and the ark going into the Philistine territory. Man. He grew up not knowing his mother. He grew up not knowing his father. He grew up not knowing his grandfather. I'd love to know the rest of Ichabod's life. But this isn't a story about him. She named the kid Ichabod because she inaccurately assessed the moment as God leaving Israel. No, 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 no. She mislabeled the moment as the day when the glory was departing when in actuality it was returning. Ichabod was born in a day of defeat. Ichabod was born in a day when the flesh would be defeated. Ichabod was born when the people faced a defeat in order for God to bring a victory. Ichabod would be forever linked to this moment. Even today, we don't name our children Ichabod. I want you to think about this. In this next year of Israel's life, Hophni's gone, Phineas is gone, Eli's gone, and Samuel's being raised up. Think about this. I'm gonna talk to you about how I want for you and for me to have a year and a time of Ichabod. All right? Because in the year of Ichabod, you and I will no longer be governed by fleshly appetites. You and I will never be governed by fleshly appetites, be led by the flesh, be governed by the flesh. 
All right, listen to me this morning. How many of you have fleshly appetites? Oh, you're lying. Stop that lying, you heathen, this morning. Come on, how many of you have ever lusted over a woman? <laughs> I'll go back here and get a drink. I hope there's something stiff in this. Let me try the women. How many women have ever lusted over a man? I got, I, got, I, got, I got a few more honest women than I do men in this house. How many have ever been tempted to do something you should not do? How many have you ever failed to the flesh? How many of the flesh has caused you to lash out in anger at somebody? How many of the flesh, your pride has rose up and divided relationships? How many of you have ever by your flesh responded to somebody in anger? Right? I mean, come on, you, you think about it. The fact of the matter is, we are fleshly, carnal people, but praise God, we can be new creations in Christ. You see, this, this nation was being led by people who were being led by the flesh. These were not godly men. These were not godly people. Their actions were not godly. And I will say to you this morning that when you, when I, when we are led by the flesh, we are not godly. When we are led by the flesh and we are governed by our flesh, we are not living godly. Let me read you a scripture. Bible, Romans chapter 8, says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. Do you know what it was that defeated the law of God? It wasn't the law of God. The law of God was perfect. The law of God never had a flaw in it. The flaw came in the human flesh. That we were the ones that could not keep the law of God. For what the, power, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to what? The Spirit of God. Now listen to me. So now God says, I'm going to remove these guys who are being led and driven by their flesh, and I'm going to put a man in who's being led by my Spirit. And how many know the beauty of becoming a new creation is that we go from being led by our flesh to being led by the Spirit of God? Thank you for that that we're now being led and governed and driven by the Spirit of God. And if we are led and driven and governed by the Spirit of God, the flesh loses its power. The year of Ichabod was flesh dying and the Spirit leading the way. How many are ready to have an Ichabod year? You are so attached to the old, that, that way of thinking about Ichabod. Because what we've done with Ichabod for years in the church is every time something negative goes, we say it's Ichabod and the glory departing. I'll get back to that some other time. In the year of Ichabod, you will not be governed by your flesh anymore. In the year of Ichabod, the word of God will not be rare. In the year of Ichabod, the word of God will not be rare. Think about this. I would suggest this. I would suggest that the word of God was not rare because God didn't want to speak. I would suggest that the problem wasn't on God's end. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever not wasted your words on somebody who don't want to hear your words? Like I'm just, like, like, like I'm just not even going to talk to that person about it because it's just useless. I'm not going to say anything because they're not going to listen to me anyhow. They're not going to hear a word I have to say. So I'm just not going to say anything. I would suggest to you this morning that if the, God, if the word of God is rare in your life, it's only because you are rare to the word of God. You're telling me that the word of God doesn't speak to you when you pick this thing up and you read it? Are you telling me that God won't speak to you? Are you telling me the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to you? Are you telling me that when you go into prayer, your God doesn't speak to you? If the word of God is rare to you, it's because you're rare to the word of God. That's harsh, isn't it? Not harsh, but it's hard. 
The only times that God is rare to me is when I'm rare to him. I think about this. Your year of Ichabod, I believe the word of God is going to become alive to you. It's going to be the thing that drives you. It's going to give you insight. It's going to give you wisdom. It's going to give you understanding. It's going to give you direction. Listen to me, saints. I'm going to pull out. How many of you this morning, when's the last time you read the word? When's the last time you read the word? We've got a biblically illiterate church. Not just this church. The church world. You're operating by the flesh. You're operating by what feels good. And then we try to justify it. You cannot justify homosexuality. You cannot justify addiction. You cannot justify uh, uh, fornication. You can't justify premarital sex. You cannot justify living together if you're picking up the word of God. You just can't. The only way that you can justify the cravings of the flesh is when the word of God is rare to you because you've been rare to the word of God. I I would rather somebody say to me, I know it's wrong, but I still do it, than to do it out of ignorance because you don't know the word of God. You would not respond half the ways you do if the word of God wasn't rare to you. It's the truth. I don't like it, but I know it's true because it's in my own life it's true. You, you wouldn't treat people. <laughs> you wouldn't treat people the way you treat people if you were at the word of God moving in your life. How do you hold an offense when you know the word of God? How do you hold offense when the word of God lives inside of you? How do you hold a grudge? How are you jealous? How are you strife? How? The word of God is rare when you're rare to it. And this would be a season in Israel's life where the word of God would not be rare anymore because there was a man of God being raised up who by the spirit of God would speak the word of God to the people. And the year of Ichabod, manifestations of God will be normal. Normal. And I don't have this down great, I'm telling you that. But I'm telling you that I believe in the year of Ichabod as I look at this. In their season, visitations and visions and revelations of God were abnormal, infrequent, rare. When's the last time you had a vision from on high? When's the last time you've had a manifestation from the God who put his son on the cross for you and filled you with the Holy Spirit? You see, in the year of Ichabod, the manifestations of God would not be rare. They would not be abnormal any longer. Let me say this. Manifest, man, yeah, he's dead, dead. Manifestations of God were never meant to be abnormal for the normal church. Manifestations of God were never meant to be abnormal for the normal church. You say, well, how, how do you know that? Have you read the book of Acts? Have you read that thing? Have you, have you read the stories of an Azusa, Azusa Street? Have you read about the Welsh revival? Have you read about the churches in Africa? We treat them as the abnormal when they're supposed to be the normal. I, I think healing should be normal for the church. Prophecy should be normal for the church. Word of wisdom should be normal for the church. The gifts should be normal for the church. Not an abnormality that we get shocked by. Come on. Come on, Ichabod. Yeah, you're still struggling with that. I love the story. The ark was taken captive. Yeah, and the devil put Jesus on the cross too. It's another great fallacy. It was God who put Jesus on the cross. It was Jesus who brought the offering to the cross. It was not the devil who put Jesus on the cross. And it was not the enemy who took the ark into captivity, if we'll call it. 
So you're telling me that the God of Israel, whose ark was carried around the walls of Jericho, that brought them down in a heartbeat, that parted the Jordan River, you're telling me that all of a sudden the Philistines got this new power where we're gonna capture the God of Israel. What a joke. God willingly and deliberately went into enemy territory to bring defeat to the enemy. Let me read you a scripture, okay? If you were to turn to Joshua chapter 13. As soon as I find it in my Bible. There we go. Joshua 13. Let me read this to you. Verse 1. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years. It was like Peter. And the Lord said to him, you're old. <laughs> Don't you love it when you get a word from God? You're old. Right. You're old and you're advanced in years. Thank you for telling me that, God. My body told me that yesterday, okay? You're old and advanced in years, and there remains very much land yet to be possessed. Hmm. They hadn't taken it all. Now watch what he says. And he goes on. This is the land that's yet to remain, all the territory of the Philistines. Hmm. Philistines? All the territory of the Philistines and that of the Gershurites from Sihor, which is east of Egypt as far as the border of Ekron, all right, the five lords of the Philistines. Get this, the five lords of the Philistines. The Gazites, Ashdodites, Ashkenlanites, Gittites, Ekronites, and the Avites. My gosh, why couldn't they name them something normal? All these. Now watch this. Skip down to verse 6. And the inhabitants of the mountains from Lebanon as far as the brook Misfrath. Yeah, that guy. And all the Sidonians. Now watch this, watch this. I will drive out from before Israel myself. Only divide the land now. It's an amazing picture. He says to Joshua, by the way, divide this land now because it's going to be their inheritance, but you're not going to take it right now, and I'm going to do this on my own someday. It's kind of funny. If you read the story where the ark went into the Philistine territory, it's an amazing thing. You know what the ark of God did when it was in the Philistine territory? Defeated the five lords of the Philistines. How many know my God was taking care of business? They took it captive. No, 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 no. He said, I got to go. I got to go for a while because I'm undoing what's been done. And, I, and I'm getting rid of this fleshly leadership. And I'm not going to be rare anymore. And there's not going to be many more manifestations that are rare. And I'm going into enemy territory. And I'm going to kick a little butt. And I'm going to come back. <laughs> this is exactly what he did. He goes in there. I love this story, right? It doesn't get any better than this, folks. So the first place he goes, when you read about this, is they took him into Ashdod, and they took him into Dagon's temple, this idol of the Philistines, right? And they, think about it. They got the Ark of God. We got him in captive. We're going to put him in Dagon's temple because Dagon, our God, our idol, has triumphed over the God of Israel, Right? And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. <laughs> Imagine walking to God. Okay, something happened here. Let's put him back up. So they put him back up, right? Put him back in his place. It's not a very good God when you can put him in his place. Okay, just thought I'd throw that out there. And when they arose early the next morning, there was Dagon falling on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both palms of his hands were broken off on the threshold. And the only thing was left was his torso. Like, that would be me trying to speak without any hands. <laughs> He's off his perch, no head, no hands. And I just think the Philistines went in there and went, oh, crap. The only way I can say it this morning. Oh, crap. This isn't good. And then they sent him to another thing. So what did they do? Get it out of here. Send him to another city. God brought judgment on that city. Get it out of here. They sent him to another one. All of a sudden, they're like, what do we do with this thing? We don't want this thing any long. And they said, get it out of here. Send it back where it came from. And they all, oh, by the way, they sent five, but they sent, let me, let me find it real quick. 
they sent to God. Um, so they sent together all the lords of the Philistines and said, send away the ark of God, Israel, and let it go back to its own place so it does not kill us and our people. For there was deadly destruction. And they sent it with offerings for the five lords of the Philistines. They took the ark captive. Oh, I don't think so, folks. Oh, I don't think so, folks. Let's get the story straight. In the year of Ichabod, let me tell you what's going to happen. The idols of your life are going to bow. In the year of Ichabod, the idols of your life will finally bow to the God of Israel. You say, what's the idols of my life? I don't know. Only you know. It's those things that you be put before your God. It could be a wife. It could be a husband. It could be a child. It could be a grandchild. It could be money. It could be a job. It could be a car. It could be a house. I don't know. You tell me. But I'm going to tell you this much. If you're living in the year of Ichabod, the idols are going to bow. How many say, I'm okay with that? So go ahead, God. Knock them off their perch. How many would give, not that he needs your permission, but I'll just use it that way. How many would give God permission today to knock your idols off your perch and cut his head off and cut his hands off? Because I'll tell you, it'll bring great blessing into your life. And in the year of Ichabod, you will live in victory over the enemy. Because they come back, right? And when they come back, all the people are excited. The ark is back. And then there's a moment where all the Philistines gather to come and make war. And the Bible says that the people were greatly afraid. Verse 7, when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord for us that he may save us from the hand. And, and, and Samuel went on, he made an offering and so forth. The point is this. They were struck with fear over the enemy who had been dominating them for a period of time. But in the year of Ichabod, they would live in victory over the enemy. Let me say this to you this morning. God never meant for his people to live in fear of the enemy. You were never created born again, to live in perpetual fear of a defeated enemy. And yet I have people who are always telling me, and they're always in fear of the devil. He's headless, and he's handless. And you think he's got more power than the God who saved you. God has never meant for his people to live in fear of anything. He wants you to live in peace. And I'm going to tell you something this morning. Some of you aren't going to like what I'm about to say, but so be it. Some of you are living in perpetual fear because the word of God is rare to you because you've been rare to the word of God. I'm not, and let me say this to you. I'm talking about the written word, but I'm also talking about the spoken word of God that is spoken by his spirit into your spirit and you know you heard from God. When God does something that you know, that you know that was God. I heard from God. I told you before, I won't tell the actual story but I know my fact, I know for a fact I've had two dreams in my life that were definitively God. Definitively I heard from the God of heaven. And both of those have helped me in times of life. You see, I'm almost ready to be done. And I'll say those three magical words in a while. You see, the life of Israel had just dramatically changed. And it changed because God was not taking the glory from Israel. He was bringing the glory to Israel. That man was misnamed by a woman who missed a God moment. 
When Ichabod was born, it was not the glory departing, it was the glory returning. God was restoring his glory to the people. No longer would they be led by fleshly men and women. No longer would flesh govern their lives. No longer would fleshly appetites rule them. The word of God wouldn't be rare anymore. The visions wouldn't be rare anymore. The enemy would be brought low before them. The God of Israel would go into territory and defeat the enemy. You see, I want you to have a year of Ichabod because I believe we live in the age of Ichabod. Uh-oh, now he's really going out there. The glory of God has come to his people. You, you see, my great high priest Jesus, this wasn't the work done by a Samuel, it was the work done by Jesus. My great high priest Jesus, my priest, my judge, my ruler, my king, my authority, He's the one, through his life and through his death, he defeated the works of human flesh and the power of the flesh. How many of you know sin has no victory over you because of Jesus? The, through his death, he was an offering for the sins of human flesh. Through his life and death, how many you know he brought principalities and authorities low? He brought them down. Through his life and death and resurrection, he brought the glory of God. Because why? He was the glory of God. Think about this. The same spirit that raised him from the dead lives in me. The glory of God lives in me. The glory of God lives in you, the Bible says. The word of God is in you. Come on, how many know the word of God is in you? Well, at least it should be. The word of God is only as rare as I want it to be. It's only as rare as I allow it to be. It's only as rare as I want it to be. And God says this morning by the Spirit of God that some of you need to get off your lazy butts and get into the Word of God. Whoa! You have been, you, you have been going to church for 40 years and you've gotten no more mature than 40 years ago. Because the Word of God has been absent in your life. You're still a carnal Christian. You're still an immature Christian. You still operate by the flesh. You're still dominated by the flesh because the word of God has been rare because you've been rare to it. Say, wow, pastor, just beat us up the last Sunday of the year. I'm not beating you up. I'm going to give you a year like, no, I'm not. He's going to. I'm just saying how many want a different year. The word of God's only as rare as my willingness to hear it. Jesus died on the cross to restore the glory of God to his people. It was a day of death. It was a day of mourning. It was a day of grief. It was a day of apparent defeat. But three days later, come on, how many of the glory came back to the people? Ichabod, glory departed? Oh, I don't think so. Oh, I don't think so. My God was restoring the glory to his people. Think about this. Come on, Troy. I need your help today. <laughs> Think about this. The word of God would not be rare. Why? The Bible tells me that in the, beginning the word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. The Bible tells me in John chapter 1 that the word became flesh. He dwelt among us. I mean, no, it wasn't rare anymore. And we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father. These are the beginning, the miracles of God. John chapter 2, the beginning of the signs Jesus did in Cana and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Remember what Jesus said in John 17? I love this verse. He said this to his disciples. The glory which you have given me, Father, I have given them that they may be one. <laughs> he's praying to God and he says the glory you gave me I'll give it to them remember Paul wrote to the Corinthians the ministry of death and letters engraved on stones came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face fading as it was he said but how will the ministry of the spirit fail to be even more For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, how much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory? For indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which fades away with glory, how much more which remains is in glory? 
And then verse 18. But we, everybody say we. All with unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed. Aren't you glad you're being transformed? Say, I don't know. Am I being transformed? Into the same image from glory to glory just as the Lord, the Spirit. The birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus was a time of Ichabod. It was a day when the glory of God came to the people. The glory has departed? Oh, I don't think so. Oh, I don't think so. She may have named him Ichabod. And she may have thought the glory had departed. But I got a God that was saying, no, 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 no. Don't mistake what I'm doing. I want you to have a year of Ichabod. I want you to have a year of Ichabod because Jesus died to give you a life of Ichabod. Free of the flesh, free of the enemy, live in victory, not living in fear. Word of God active in your life. Manifestation is normal. Come on, this is the year I want. This is the life I want. Isn't it amazing that she thought the past was going to, is greater than the present and thereby missed the future? I think I could preach for three or four hours today. <laughs> I'm going to give you mercy, though. I can at least preach till next year. was born. Unfortunate for him, he just happened to be born that day. And forever, nobody will name their kid Ichabod. <laughs> and I'm sure after the sermon, still ain't named going to name their kid Ichabod. <laughs> but the story is not about Ichabod. But I will say this, in the year that Ichabod was born, the glory of God came back to Israel. And so, Father, we say, give us a year of Ichabod. That that thing you were doing for the people, where you were doing something in their midst that would restore to them the very word of God, that would restore to them visions and manifestations of God. That thing you were doing that would break the yoke of the enemy off of them. That very thing you did on Calvary's cross for us. That we would say, I want to live in the year of his glory. In the age of his glory. The time of his glory. And so Father, I would ask today that you create a stirring in our hearts, a stirring in our lives, a stirring for the Word of God, a hunger for the Word of God. That you would create in us a willingness to see our idols decapitated and their hands broken and that they would bow before you. That this would be a year of your glory, of your glory, of your glory, like never before. In Jesus' name. Hey, hey Joshie, would you come up? Would you honor me? Anybody else going back to college? We're just doing college today. Anybody else here? Might not, a lot of people gone today. But if you're, if you're going to school somewhere, I know Thomas is gone and others are gone. But if you're going back to school today, Peter, I'm going to ask you to come in a moment and, 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 and to close. I'm going to just have you ready. 
Anybody else? Anybody else? All right, I'm going to have elders come, all right? Any elders are here? I know a lot of them. Donnie, would you come? Randy, would you come? Jim, would you come? And, and we just lay hands on them, okay? Listen to me. This is what I, 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 you know, some of you are going, to, you're going down to see Furtick, all right? All right, Furtick, all right? Yeah, we all know about Furtick. <laughs> it's all right. All of us pastors are jealous of Furtick. I'm just telling you, we deal with our flesh every time we see him. I'm just kidding. All right? One of the greatest things about going to a place to prepare for ministry or whatever you're going to be doing down there is that time that you have to be alone and learn away from family and friends to be in a place. The greatest thing you can walk away with from there is a better relationship with God, that you learn to hear His voice, that you, that you sense the Spirit. Now, and, 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 but the same, see the same thing? It's not about ministry. It's also for you guys as well, all right? Because what we need in this world is we need... Christian, kingdom-minded people in every facet of life. Not just the church, in the business realm. What is it you're doing again? Yeah, medical. What was it? Physician's assistant. She's really smart. All right. See, see, because what what I'd love to have is physician's assistants who are in doctor's offices that know about the power of God. Thank God for medicine. Thank God for doctors. We're all good with that. But thank God for when God defies them. Whenever God defies them. All right? And so, so we just want to take a moment and pray over you. And Father, uh, bless them. Lord, we got lots of other kids that aren't here. But Father, these three are here. They're standing before us. They're standing before you. And we put our hands upon them. And we say to, to you, give them a year of Ichabod. That Father... The flesh wars against all of us, but when we're young, it's really battling and it's really raging. And Father, I pray now that you would have put up a, 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 a stirring in them, that God, that the, the flesh will not drive them, the fleshly carnal appetites will not drive them, but God, the Spirit of God who lives inside of them has saved them, changed them, transforms them, would be the Spirit of God that would drive them. That Father, the Word of God would become so alive in them. The Word of God would become so exciting to them that it'd be like mining for nuggets, mining for gold, mining for, for silver. All of a sudden they find something that's like, that is so cool. Father, I pray for the manifestations of God to be a normal, everyday thing. That you give supernatural insight. You give supernatural wisdom. You give supernatural revelation. That you operate the gifts of the Spirit through them. Father, I pray that just like us, they got some idols too, and those suckers are killed. That you would cut their hands off, and you would cut their head off. Father, this day we would just say, give them this year of your glory. But it's not a year of glory to look back on. It's a year of glory to lead to the next year of glory. That leads to the next year of glory. That leads to the next year of glory. We bless them and we speak life over them and destiny over them in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Yes, so we're gonna close, but I wanna I want to tell you, you can you can you can do this, okay? Look at me, look at me. I know you're all ready to go. Some of you have got your purses in your hand and your keys are shaking and, and now you're trembling because Jowdry's up there. You can do this. You can get into the Word, and you can do it practically every day. And I know this because I do it, but I also know it because there's ways of doing it that, will, that can make it effective. You can, there's 1,189 chapters in the Bible. You can read the Bible through in one year. Okay, and one of the things we do in Mighty Men... I have two applications for Mighty Men, and we've delayed it to the 1st of March. And so men should be taking Mighty Men because I could teach you a lot of these things. But let me just tell you this, 1,189 chapters, so about 3.4 chapters a day. It's hard to read a .4 chapter. But you can do this. Now, I have been the last several years reading the Bible in about 10, every 10 months. Very easy to do. I had one of my guys in Mighty Men, he read the Bible through in less than three months. He was reading sometimes 16 chapters a day. He was just immersing himself. So, but you say, well, yeah, but I get in the middle of Leviticus and I just, I just wilt. I understand that. There's some great preaching from Leviticus, by the way. 
So what you do is you say, I'll read two Old, chap two Old Testament chapters, one, li one wisdom literature chapter. What's your wisdom literature? It's Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the one that all men love, Song of Solomon. So we read one of those chapters a day. By the way, the Song of Solomon is not about Jesus. And we read one of those a day, and then you read one New Testament chapter. If you'll do that, you'll read the Bible through in the run of a year. One, two Old Testament, so Genesis, Act, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, you know, two of those, one wisdom literature, one of those a day, and one New Testament chapter, and you'll read the Bible through in the run of a year. Now, you might have to work on the math a little bit to make it work exactly. But that's one way you can do that, and you will be, you, and you will, you will, you'll feed from the Lord. So, so you're reading through Leviticus, and it's really, really tough. So, but then you go to a wisdom literature chapter, and what happens? You get some, you get some encouragement from the Psalms. You get the New Testament. You get some, you know, you get some. So you're, you're kind of balancing it out, so you don't get waylaid. Everyone in this room can do this. If you can read, you can do this. It's a matter of just saying, I'm going to do it. And then set, and here's what happens. You miss a day and you go, oh, well, I'm a loser, forget it. Or you miss a week and you, you get this, whatever happens. Pick yourself up and you keep on going. This is not just, you know, esoteric or out there somewhere in la la land. This is really, really down to earth stuff. You can do this. It's nice to know you're convinced. You can do this. This is freedom. This is good. So how many are you going to do it? Okay, there's six of you so far. So how many are you going to do it? I'm going to read the scripture through. I'm going to make it, a, I'm going to make it a, my thing. I'm going to read I'm going to let the word of God is not going to be rare to me. Wasn't that a great line? That's a nifty little line. I'm going to use that. That's where I get my sermons. I come here and I go other places and preach. So here's my deal. How many of you will do this? Now, let me just give you my little testimony. It's not the Pat PD on the back. It's just to tell you that I, I, I struggled with this, and I went through two or three years uh, back in, like, 2011 and 12 where I was just physically, my, my body, etc. cetera, I, I just was in a mess, and I just got off the work. And one day I said, I'm not going to get up. And for the last four years, I've missed reading the Bible 11 days. And most of that was because I was on overnight flights and for whatever reason, I just forgot. I'm telling you, you can do this. Say, I can do this. Petey, I can do this. Petey, that's me. Say, Petey, I can do this. Yeah. So now let's go out and do it. Father, in the name of Jesus. Come on, raise your hands. Wave them back and forth. Say, I'm going to do this. Father, in the name of Jesus, I can do this. Come on, I can do this. Oh, I can't hear you. I don't know what's wrong with me. Come on, I can do this. In the name of Jesus, Lord, help us to do it. Help us, Lord, to have a year where the glory returns. In Jesus' name, amen.